This year, I am focused on saving and investing, but I still want to do things like travel. NerdWallet lets you compare top travel credit cards side-by-side to maximize your spending, some even offering 10 times points on your spending, which means you could end up with a free flight or maybe a better hotel room. So what could future you do with smarter financial decisions? Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Eating processed food for every meal isn't healthy for people or for dogs. We all know that. And kibble is subject to multiple rounds of high heat processing, making it an ultra processed food. The farmer's dog is real, fresh, healthy food with whole meat and veggies gently cooked in human-grade kitchens to preserve their nutritional value. My dog, Barnaby, loves the farmer's dogs. When he sees me pulling one of those packets out, he comes running. It's personalized, vet-developed, and it has recipes for as little as $2 a day. Meals arrive in pre-portion, ready-to-serve packs, and they're conveniently delivered on whatever schedule works for me. Get 50% off your first box of fresh, healthy food at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. That's 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash happier. Hello and welcome to Happier, a podcast about ways to be happier, healthier, more productive, and more creative. This week, we'll talk about why you might explore the five senses of summer, and we'll do a deep dive into listener suggestions for dealing with obliger rebellion. I'm Gretchen Rubin, a writer who studies happiness, good habits, and human nature. And yes, you guessed it. Once again, I am here in my home office in New York City, and joining me today from L.A. Yes, she's back in L.A. It's my sister, Elizabeth Craft. That's me, Elizabeth Craft, a TV writer and producer living in L.A. Yes, Gretchen, I am home from Puerto Rico. Yay! I was there over two months, I believe. I'm home, and I just am so happy to be here, back in Encino. Oh, my gosh. I can't even imagine what that must have been like to be away from home so for so long. Yeah, really nice. Now, before we launch in, we have a few reminders and updates. One is that we have announced our next book club choice. It is Crying in H Mart, a terrific memoir by Michelle Zauner. So start reading. And we've already heard from a lot of people on social media who are really enjoying that. So again, that's Crying in H Mart. And also, Gretchen, June 20th is Father's Day. And we want to recommend 40 Ways to Look at Winston Churchill by you as a great Father's Day gift. Many fathers enjoy reading about Winston Churchill, and you have a great book about him. Yeah. Every Father's Day, I hear from so many people. (laughs) It's really funny. Everybody's like, oh, this is a good Father's Day gift. We wanted to let people know that, yes, the Mad Men bonus episode is finally going to hit the, the your ears. It's coming into your feed on June 12th, which is this weekend. So uh, we had so much fun talking about Mad Men. So yes. um, if you're a Mad Men fan, 
Join us for that conversation. Yeah, and Gretchen, we had some great responses to episode 328. This one comes from Caitlin. She said, I just listened to episode 328 and love the idea of trying food you read about or saw on TV. I think you would enjoy perusing The Little Library Cookbook by Kate Young. She's developed 100 recipes from meals mentioned in literature, everything from Seuss's Green Eggs and Ham to Anne's Disastrous Vanilla Layer Cake and Anne of Green Gables, and even Turkish Delight from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. It's a delight for any book lover. Yes, I looked that up, and there's there's a lot of recipes that the minute you read about it, you're like, oh, I do want to know what that tastes like. Mm-hmm. So that's really fun. And then I was interested by this from Amanda. She had sort of a different twist on it. She wrote, I'm very intrigued by the idea of trying a food you've read or heard about. In my case, I've tried several foods that I've heard about on the How I Built This podcast by NPR and watched on Chef's Table on Netflix. The restaurants that stand out to me are Milk Bar and Luke's Lobster. I tried both while visiting Las Vegas. I find I enjoy the food and atmosphere much more when I know the backstory of how the restaurants got started. So that's kind of a different way of exploring um, something that you've seen on TV. Yes. I went to Milk Bar in Las Vegas as well. That My last time in Vegas, pre-pandemic. Yeah, there you go. So listen, this week our Try This at Home tip is to explore the five senses of summer. This is kind of a twist on the design your summer idea. Yes. And this was inspired by a listener. Yes, this comes from Dakota, who says, I thought I'd share my design this summer with you guys. I manage an ice cream store, so summer is the busiest time of the year for me. That results in a lot of early mornings and late nights and an overall feeling of dread on warm, beautiful summer days. (laughs) Typically, I forego fun things in waiting of cooler temps and shorter work days. This summer, I chose to have a summer of the senses. I was inspired by your talk of the senses. Both my husband and I had COVID this summer, so we lost both our sense of taste and smell. Mine didn't return for nearly 60 days. This summer, I am Mm. planning on making a vision board with one thing I want to do for each of my senses. As an example, I bought tickets to an outdoor concert to see dueling pianos and an Elton John cover band. What a treat. Having five things to do this summer is giving me a little more structure and things to look forward to that normally I would say I'm too busy to do. Well, of course, I love everything five senses related. So this is like a mashup of the five senses and design your summer. So I love this idea. Yes. And it's nice to have an angle. Like, as we say, like infinite choices can be hard. So in some ways, it's nice to say, okay, I'm going to design it around the five senses. And that'll sort of give you... A direction. Yeah. And as Dakota points out, there's something very post-COVID about it. I think that COVID has made us all very aware of our senses and wanting to get back out into the world. So I thought that was a great idea. So listen, let's talk about some of our ideas, what we will do. Yes. Here in New York City, I got tickets to this Van Gogh immersive experience, which is sort of this what it sounds like, Van Gogh, Mm -hmm. immersive experience. I'm not exactly sure what to expect, but I I was like, wow, that sounds like something I want to check out. I'm doing a sound bath. I know you've been meaning to do a sound bath, the Integratron. I love sound baths, yes. Yes. So I'm finally signing up for one. So then we can swap uh, impressions of the sound bath experience. There is a wonderful perfume store called Fuegia that's near my apartment. It's perfumes arranged very systematically according Mm. to type. And I really, you know, I love anything systematic. And I just want to go back in and smell every single smell. 
And I don't know if they're open yet, if you can have your mask off, but I'm going to explore mm, that. Yeah. For taste, you know, on my 21 for 21, I have that I wanted to have a taste party, which I have not done, but I want to have a taste party inspired by my time at Flavor University. Mm-hmm. Touch, I don't know what I want to do for touch. Anybody got any ideas for touch? Let me know. I love touch and I just can't figure out how to work that into my summer plans. How about you, Elizabeth? What are you What are you going to do for exploring the five senses of summer? Well, it's funny, Gretchen, because when we started talking about this idea, I realized that all of the sense experiences I wanted were all in Kansas City. Um, <laughs> I have not been to Kansas City since December 2019, which is yeah. insane. I'm dying yeah. to go. And we actually have plane tickets. We're going for the yes. 4th of July. So I'm centering all of mine around Kansas City. So I want to obviously see mom and dad. Um, Also want to see the Kaufman Gardens, which are these beautiful gardens that we often walk to with dad. Gorgeous. I want to hear the cicadas. Some people don't like the sound of cicadas. I love cicadas. That is my favorite sound. It's so Kansas City. It's so Kansas Kansas City. City. Yes. And then smell, again, I want to smell summer in Kansas City. It's just a very particular smell of the sort of heavy air. Green. Yeah, it's a yes, very green it smells smell. green exactly, yeah. and I and there's nothing feels like summer to me like being yes. in Kansas City. The hot, hot summer yes. in Kansas City. Yeah. Okay, taste. I want to taste Winstead's. Gretchen. <laughs> I have not had a Winstead's burger in the longest time I've gone in my life by a yeah. lot. <laughs> yeah. So I need that Winstead's cheeseburger. And then for touch, I want to hug mom and dad. I have not seen them. You've seen them, but I have not. Yes. In all of this time. So I'm very, very excited to be with them. Yes. Oh, it's making that way you'll really focus on drinking in the Kansas City experience. Yes. Yes. Well, let us know if you do try this at home and how exploring the five senses of summer works for you. Let us know on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Drop us an email at podcast at GretchenRubin.com. Or as always, you can go to the show notes. This is happiercast.com slash 329 for everything related to this episode. Coming up, we have a happiness hack from Annie Murphy-Paul, who we talked to last week. But first, this break. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and free. And, you know, Elizabeth, I now work with a team And hiring the right people is so important. It's maybe the most important thing. And LinkedIn makes the process of identifying and hiring people easy and intuitive. I know that when I've been hiring for my team, it's hard to find quality candidates to interview. And LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Gretchen. That's linkedin.com slash Gretchen to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I wanted to update my wardrobe without spending a fortune, and luckily I found Quince. Elizabeth, I got the Flow Knit Wide Leg Pant. It's very light. It's perfect for the summer. It packs very easily. I recently went on a trip with my family, and I took it with me, and they were just the thing to wear on a really hot day where I wanted to be covered up, but I wanted something that looked great and also was very comfortable. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Gretchen for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Gretchen to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash Gretchen. This week's happiness hack comes from Annie Murphy-Paul. We talked to her last week in episode 328 about her new book, the fascinating book called The Extended Mind. And her hack is to play with fidget objects. She says that keeping a variety of objects to manipulate on your desk can help sharpen your focus, improve your mood, and increase your creativity. And she notes that different kinds of objects may generate usefully different mental states. And Elizabeth, a long time ago at a podcast conference, I got a fidget spinner from Panoply, which mm. sadly no, is no longer uh, <laughs> around. And every time I look at it, I remember those days, but I also really do find it kind of relaxing and focusing yes. to use a fidget spinner. Also, I'm a hair twister, and I'm always trying oh. to not twist my hair, and that helps me not twist my hair. Yes, I do think holding something can be helpful when you're trying to think. I mean, that's why in writer's rooms... You know, we often have all these sort of little toys like magnets and Legos oh, and things um, that people play with while they think. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, I would have you take a picture, except I know that you're all still meeting virtually. But um, <laughs> Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. So this isn't, I feel like this is a great hack because I think sometimes people feel like they shouldn't be fidgeting with things. And this tells you like there's a good reason that you have that desire yes. to pick things up. And mess with them when you're trying Permission to Permission to fidget. And now for a deep dive. Okay. In episode 326, uh, an obliger listener asked for ideas for warding off impending obliger rebellion. So we will assume for this conversation that you know what obligers are and what obliger rebellion is. But if you do not know if you're an upholder, a questioner, an obliger, or rebel... You can take the free quick quiz at quiz.gretchenrubin.com. More than 3.2 million people have taken the quiz. And in the show notes, I will put links in to the quiz and also to like a quick overview of the framework if you don't know why this is relevant. But we'll just assume that everybody understands that obliger rebellion is when obligers meet, meet, meet expectations. And then suddenly they snap and they say, this I won't do. And sometimes it's very beneficial, as one listener points out. Sometimes it can be kind of out of control and destructive. And in any case, it's very helpful for obligers to see that it's coming and have ways to deal with it. And so it was great to get all these ideas from obliger listeners. Yes, as an obliger, I appreciated these ideas. There are so many good ones. 
Yes. So Gretchen, um, first idea comes from Leticia. She says, I'm an obliger who has struggled for years with finding the right ways to harness my tendency to be a workaholic. I regularly experience burnout, put work ahead of my family and definitely myself and always take on too much. The problem is I'm in a workplace that rewards workaholic tendencies and my obliger husband, despite his protests, obliges my obliging. (laughs) But I finally found the trick. I was handing some work back to one of my subordinates recently, also a workaholic, who I know is currently seeking professional help for his own case of burnout. After I had mentored him on some changes to make, he made a comment about envying my skill, knowledge, and efficiency in such a hectic, constantly pressuring environment and said he wished to be able to achieve the same. In that moment, I knew I wasn't doing him or myself Mm. any favors by maintaining the unmaintainable. Ever since that moment, I've had he and I both on a special work assignment that includes, but is not limited to, no such thing as an emergency, leaving the desk for lunch and breaks, time set aside for physical activity, and saying no or later to tasks. As a supervisor, I also make it a point to not text or call my employees while they are on vacation, and I refuse to call or check in while I am on vacation as well. This has paid off for both of us and has been key to helping me avoid what was almost one of the worst cases of obliger rebellion I've experienced in my career. Yeah, and Gretchen, it's interesting because it was only when she saw that she was sort of setting her subordinate up to have the same life that she has that she was able to change. Yes, excellent. So yeah, you might be able to do it for someone else, even if it's hard for you to do it for yourself. This one, I have to say, I don't have the name of the person who wrote it because it it was something somebody wrote to me a long time ago, and I've lost the name, so I'm very sorry if you hear me reading this Mm -hmm. and I don't acknowledge you. This obliger said, it's hard for me to say no to outer expectations and I can overcommit easily. When a person asks for my help in some way and I know I don't have time to help or I just don't want to take on what they're asking me, I say to myself, I can't or won't do the thing they're asking, but what can I do for this person? For example, I can't can't organize the fourth grade Valentine's Day party, but I can offer to bring cookies. Even if the only thing I can do is wish the person well or write them a nice thank you note after the event they wanted me to help with, at least I feel like I am doing something for them. I can say no to the larger request, but say yes to something manageable for me. I have found this strategy helps keep obliger rebellion and guilt at bay at the same time because I'm not overcommitting and I'm not flat out saying no. So it's, it's, it's not saying the big yes, it's saying a smaller yes. I thought it was so clever. A good way to reframe and manage. Yes. Gretch Caroline says, I've experienced destructive phases of obliger rebellion. I've hit the self-destruct button on friendships, romances, and work relationships in the past with seemingly little warning and been as stunned as the other parties when it occurred because it is so out of character and seems to come from nowhere. I didn't understand these phases until I came across Gretchen's work on the four tendencies, which has literally been life-changing, and I will always be grateful to you for it. I find journaling helps. As part of my happiness project work, I start each day with a coffee and journal key events from the day before and my feelings about these events. Once a week, I have a look at any trends over the last week, and as part of the happiness project, I also do a month in review. Half the battle is identifying the underlying problem, which is building and which is typically accompanied by feelings of being overwhelmed, taking advantage of, and or unappreciated, and journaling consistently helps with that. It is a form of monitoring, and as you say, Gretchen, you manage what you monitor. 
This has definitely helped me get some perspective on what is happening and identify and manage any escalating problems before they become obliger rebellion triggers. So this is a great suggestion, which is to use a journal. And actually many obligers mentioned using record keeping and journals as a way to monitor that obliger rebellion was brewing, which was, mm-hmm. I, I have to say, I did not know that this was such a common tool. That was a big insight for me to realize that so many obligers find that useful. Yeah. Now, and this this obliger had a different approach. Joe writes, I'm an obliger who's prone to obliger rebellion. And one of the strategies I found in the past to be helpful in preventing tipping into rebellion is to plan a no obligation weekend. In graduate school, whenever I found my calendar filling up with too many tasks and events, even fun ones, and I could feel the resentment creeping in, I would schedule a no-obligation weekend. The rules are simple. There are no obligations. It doesn't mean that you don't do anything at all. You can have coffee with a friend or even clean your house if you feel like it. The key is that you're not obligated to do anything. You just get to do whatever you want during that weekend. There are no obligations. Mm -hmm. Now that I've got three kids and a full-time job, it's harder to squeeze in a whole no-obligation weekend. But I find that regular doses of no-obligation times, even one afternoon a week or an hour after dinner, can still be really helpful in staving off obliger rebellion. So yeah. that's uh, a great idea. Well, and here's one that's sort of adjacent to that idea from Erin. She says, one thing I've done over the years when I feel obliger rebellion coming on is I announced to my husband I'm going on strike. It's become <laughs> a bit of a joke, but what it means is I literally take a week or a few off from all household chores, cooking, errands, etc. I only go to work and the rest of the time I'm free to do whatever I want. I do the bulk of the household work as well as the work outside of the home. I'm an obliger and he's a rebel. So this really does give me a break and it lets off enough steam to see me through. The phrase I'm going on strike is a whimsical way to announce that I'm struggling and need more support. I also do daily morning pages. These help me sort out when and why I'm feeling overburdened or taken advantage of. As you say, identify the problem. So another journaling. Another journaling one. And, you know, it's it's interesting that a lot of obligers can feel it coming. Mm-hmm. Because I think some obligers are kind of stunned and surprised. But it sounds like many obligers know to watch out for the signs. And I think that that can be very helpful um, when you start feeling it starting to overtake you. Meredith writes, when I'm overwhelmed by responsibilities and obligations, Obliger Rebellion tells me that the only way out would be to quit everything, move to a small town far away, and start my life over entirely. Of course, I could never actually do that. So I just trudge onward, feeling crushed by the weight of everyone's expectations and resentful toward all the things I've taken on. A few years ago, I happened upon the quote, if you get tired, learn to rest, not to quit. This was an aha moment for me. I have never actually quit anything, but I needed that reframing to ward off the full-on obliger rebellion that led to the urge to quit. My advice is simple, yet can be very difficult for obligers to implement. Sometimes you have to tell people that you're feeling burnt out and overwhelmed. As it turns out, most people don't want you to run yourself into the ground. You'll be surprised how others will step up if you take a step back. And I find that even saying out loud that I'm feeling overwhelmed helps the feeling go away. Sometimes being given the opportunity to rest is enough for me to say, actually, I'm okay. I can keep going. Other times I do take a breather or lighten my load. Mm. Very helpful. Yeah. And Gretch, this comes from another listener. 
11 years ago, before I knew anything about the four tendencies, I quit my job of 19 years and left a four-year toxic relationship. This happened in a span of a few months. I wanted to share the message that I don't think every obliger rebellion is a bad one and perhaps trying to prevent them from happening is not always the best course of action. In my case, I went on to find a job that I love and also met the man who's now my husband. If I had just continued obliging and tried to suppress what I was feeling, I would not be in the happy place I am today. No one was more surprised than me when I quit my job that Tuesday morning, but it was the best decision I ever made. And continuing to oblige in a relationship or doing so was equivalent to being controlled is never a good idea. I am so glad that in my case, I chose to rebel. It has been amazing to learn more about the four tendencies and to look back at those events and be able to put some context around what happened. This is an excellent, excellent point. I'm so glad that this was made um, because it's very true that obliger rebellion can be very beneficial. It can really get an obliger out of a situation that should be exited. Um, and if you want to read a post that I wrote about uh, the novel Remains of the Day and why obliger rebellion can sometimes be very powerful and uh, Remains of the Day is an example of an upholder who didn't have mm. obliger rebellion and how that really hurt him. I'll link to that if you want to read more about the, the, mm. the good power of obliger rebellion. Mm -hmm. Anne wrote, as an obliger, I started to realize how often I was reaching my boiling point of obliger rebellion. As a way to consciously work on this, I made one of my 21 for 21 items 21 days for myself. On these days, I give myself permission to do whatever feels right on that day, whether it is to go for a walk along the river, take pictures at the zoo, or go to a bookstore for however long I want. I do whatever is going to help me reset inside. This keeps me from coming unglued in front of my family or making a decision I might regret and can't undo. Plus, it gives me time to reflect, journal, see there's more, more journaling, mm -hmm. and just breathe deeply so I can stay a little further away from the boiling point. And on top of all of it, I have the outer accountability of checking off my 21 for 21 list. So that's how she builds in mm. that all-important accountability is through the 21 for 21 list. So that's very smart. Yes. Andrea says, I have a great example to share of obliger rebellion that my son has experienced at the end of first grade. This year has been taxing on all of our children with COVID, masking, Zooming, and all of the stresses of a global pandemic. My seven-year-old is usually very responsible when an adult sets an expectation, i.e. teacher, piano instructor, swim coach. As this school year comes to a close, he is burnt out. When asked where his homework folder was, he simply stated, I'm not doing it anymore. The folder is at school, and I don't care that I will miss my recess tomorrow. I didn't question the behavior. He has a lot of reasons to be rebelling at this point. I immediately recognized this as obliger rebellion junior. He's not trying to be disobedient <laughs> or disrespectful to his teacher. What this child needs is a break. Thankfully, there are only a few days left in school before he starts a low-key, fun-filled summer to recharge before second grade. We talk about adults experiencing obliger rebellion, but it lives across all generations. Yes, yeah, see, that's Very really true. helpful to Know it in your children. Emily writes, I'm an obliger and have had some huge rebellions in my life. When I was younger, I never saw them coming, but since reading your book, I've been able to sense a rebellion on the way. I've always struggled to say no, at work especially, and often find myself overwhelmed. Recently, something that helped me was reframing saying no as an opportunity for someone else. 
As a teacher, I was always leading committees, and I realized that while this drove me crazy, it would be a great leadership opportunity for newer teachers. When I went to my boss to decline yet another year of leading committees, I was able to feel generous about passing the baton to enthusiastic coworkers who had expressed interest. So what Emily's doing is she's saying no to give others an opportunity. So that's a way to say no that feels like saying yes. Mm, That's smart. And this final comment um, will help you kind of realize how it's building. Carly says, I just figured out one of my warning signs of an oncoming obliger rebellion. I rarely drink, maybe three or four times a year, but each time it's after a long day where I feel completely emotionally and physically spent. I just now correlated it with periods of obliger rebellion. My big symptom is canned wine. If I'm buying canned (laughs) wine, watch out. Now I know to recognize that as an SOS and immediately indulge in some self-care before I really go off the rails. This is a tell. I'll post a link because we've talked about identifying your tells Yes, for when you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed. So that's great to have a tell for obliger rebellion. So thank you, everyone. This was extremely useful. Useful and enlightening to hear from so many obligers about how they think about obliger rebellion. So thanks for all those insights. Yes, thank you. Coming up, demerits and gold stars. Gretchen has a book demerit, believe it or not. The first is break. This message is sponsored by Greenlight. As your kids get older, some things about parenting get easier. They can dress themselves. They can clean up after themselves, allegedly. Other things don't, like having conversations about money. The fact is, kids won't really know how to manage their money unless they're actually in charge of it. That's where Greenlight can help. Greenlight is a debit card and money app made for families. Parents can send money to their kids and keep an eye on their kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens build money confidence and lifelong financial literacy skills. Yeah, Jack has green light. And one thing I love is that it includes a chores feature where you can set up one time or recurring chores and reward kids with allowance for a job well done. Gretchen, we used to mow the lawn. How much more motivated would we have been if we'd had funds deposited when we completed the hut chore? Mm-hmm. Sign up for Greenlight today and get your first month free when you go to greenlight.com slash happier. That's greenlight.com slash happier to try Greenlight for free. Greenlight.com slash happier. Gretch, I love eating sandwiches like a grilled cheese or a peanut butter sandwich is my ideal lunch, but I'm very aware of my carb intake, so oftentimes I avoid sandwiches. Luckily, Hero Bread has remade carby, empty-calorie bread products into fluffy, delicious versions that include no-net carbs, zero grams of sugar, and fewer calories, plus it has protein and fiber. I have been using it to make grilled cheeses, and I use their tortillas to make a cheese quesadilla, and I am in heaven. Hero Bread tastes great, has a terrific texture, and helps you meet your nutrition goals. Don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use happier at checkout. That's happier at H-E-R-O dot C-O. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small, and when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. 
Therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Gretchen, when I started my career, therapy really helped me work through all of my stresses so that I was able to concentrate at work and do a good job. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Gretchen Rubin today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash Gretchen Rubin. Okay, Gretchen, it's time for demerits and gold stars. What is your demerit this week? So, yes, I have a book-related demerit. So a while back, we had all these books stacked up that I wanted to read. And uh, I was like, you know what? This is an eyesore. I had this wire bookshelf. So I we had this place in a closet where I put it. I'm like, okay, I'll put them in the closet. I'll organize the books. They're all nicely put away there. But then I've cleared off this table and now the bookshelf is full. And now the table is full, too. Jamie's like, you're, it's literally blocking the light from our window. <laughs> you have to do something about those books. And But part of it is I keep checking out books from the library. And then when you get library books, there's sort of a deadline. So I tend to mm. read those earlier. So the ones that I can't get from the library but that I actually buy then pile up. And I, I'm sort of starting to feel almost panicky with how many books I have to read. Well, Gretch, what I would suggest is before you buy new books is just put them in your cart wherever you're, if you're shopping online, and then they'll oh. stay in the cart and then you can order them later once you actually can read or they're great. You can tell people you want them for Christmas or your birthday or whatever. Well, see, this is a really good idea because usually the reason I go ahead and buy it is that I'm worried that... I won't remember that I want to read it. Yes. So this is good. Yeah. I mean, I could just keep a list, but somehow that feels more realistic. Oh, that's no, a great if someone idea. someone tells me about my, a book, often I'll go put it in a cart. And then I could go to it, like if I wanted to go to my like the indie bookstore that's near my apartment, I could just use it as a list, but somehow exactly. it feels more real than just yes. a list. Oh, that's a great idea. Excellent. Yes. Well, gold star, Elizabeth. <laughs> I will use that in the future. And what is your gold star? Gretchen, I am giving myself a gold star <laughs> you, um, yes. because I just got back from, you know, I think over two months of being away from home. Yes. And um, it was, I mean, I still have so much work to do and there's so much pressure, but like it's different being home as Sarah said mm -hmm. she goes yes but at least you can go to the grocery store and I'm like that's true yeah well like at least you have a refrigerator yes a, a normal yeah. size refrigerator yeah so anyway I made it through um it was quite an adventure many memories um I'm probably going back but not for two months. It would be for more like two weeks. And you didn't see Adam and Jack the whole time no. because Jack was back in school finally. And he yeah. did not want to miss school. And meanwhile, I really couldn't go back and forth because you have to quarantine, yeah. you know, it just yeah. it was not workable. So yeah, obviously wonderful to see them. Yeah. But I give myself a gold star. I already have given them a gold stars for, for getting through it. And I give myself one too. I give you a gold star as well. That was hard. You were working like crazy and you were far away from home. And that's not easy. The resources for this week. Uh, Elizabeth mentioned that Father's Day is coming up in June 20th. And if a father in your life might enjoy a book and is interested in Winston Churchill, I do recommend my 
short, unconventional biography, 40 Ways to Look at Winston Churchill. You can go to GretchenRubin.com slash books if you want to read more about the book. And I'll put a link in the show notes. Also, every week on my site, GretchenRubin.com, I publish articles, author interviews. I post photos, lots of different stuff. If you'd like to be notified when I've written something new, you can sign up to receive email updates. Go to GretchenRubin.com slash newsletter and choose new blog posts. Now, Elizabeth, what are you reading? I am reading The Island of Sea Women by Lisa C. I am reading Everything Sad is Untrue by Daniel Nayeri. Mm. And that's it for this episode of Happier. Remember to try this at home. Explore the five senses of summer. Let us know if you tried it and if it worked for you. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, and everyone at Cadence 13. Get in touch. Gretchen's on Twitter at Gretchen Rubin, and I'm at Elizabeth Craft. Our email address is podcast at GretchenRubin.com. And if you like the show, please do be sure to tell a friend and subscribe to us. Rate us, review us. You know we love those rates and reviews because that helps other people discover the podcast. Until next week, I'm Elizabeth Kraft. And I'm Gretchen Rubin. Thanks for joining us. Onward and Upward. Alyssa, it's funny to see you back in your same office. Um, I was so used to seeing you in your hotel room with the palm trees behind you, but it's it's nice <laughs> to see you with your 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 office there. I know, and I've come back to all the clutter I left behind, Gretch. I need your help here. Oh, you know, I'm, I want to come. It's time. From the Onward Project. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth... I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.